Well, hello. As you said, my name is Rachel, and I am on the staff team here. It is so great. If I have not met you, uh, well, welcome to church. <laughs> so this week, we are in week three of our mini-series on community. Uh, and so the wonderful Ian Parkinson got, got us started three weeks ago, and he spoke on being communities of hope. And then last week, Luke Graham continued on being communities of reconciliation. And today, are we are finishing our mini-series, um, and we are going to be talking about Communities Rooted in Love. So if you're taking notes, there's a title for you, Communities Rooted in Love. I just want to give a bit of context. We are in Ephesians, and Paul here is writing to the church in Ephesus, hence the word Ephesians. Um, and in the first half, he's talking lots about the doctrine. So he's giving lots of knowledge. He's pouring out lots of doctrine. And then in the second half, he moves to talking about how we can put into practice those doctrinal ideas. So these verses that we're going to read are the beginning bits of him talking about how we can put these things into practice. And the core of his letter is really about them maturing in faith. How can we be Christians that are mature in our faith? And it's a faith that goes beyond just knowledge or what they know, but actually into action or application. So we're going to read from Ephesians 3, 14, verses 14 to 21. If you have a Bible and would like to read, or they'll be in the screen so you can read along. Ephesians 3, so we're starting in verse 14. And it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So Paul starts this out, and he's actually praying this prayer for the Ephesians. And he starts it out, and he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in, and on, in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I love how Paul here starts with our identity. He starts with who we are, that we derive our name from him. Now, I, my name is Rachel Elaine, and um, my names have basically no meaning. Basically, my parents got to the hospital, and in the States, you can't actually leave the hospital until you've named your child. And so they got to the point, I guess they'd been, you know, like trying to figure out names, couldn't decide on any names. So basically, they got to the end point, and they needed to leave the hospital. And so my mom just turned to my dad and said, just name her whatever you want. <laughs> so hence my names. <laughs> so my dad did. <laughs> Here we are. But my sister, my little sister, we have a slide for this. You can actually see her. Uh, my little sister is named Ava Caroline. And her names actually have meaning. So she was born in 2002, which is a palindrome year. You can spell it forwards and backwards the same. And so she was born in 2002. So they named her, wanted to name her also a palindrome name. So she is Ava, A-V-A, same forwards and backwards. But her middle name is Caroline. And this is because my grandmother, my, my dad's mother, passed away about a year before my little sister was born. And so they named her, uh, they wanted to name her after my grandmother, and so they named her Ava Caroline in, in honor of my grandmother. 
And the really cool thing is that not only does her name represent her, my grandmother, but also her, her actions, the way that she carries herself, she is a reflection of who my grandmother was in so many different ways. And what I love about this, the, the verse that Paul says here, is that our name is derived from him. Our identity is derived from him. We are a reflection of who God has made us to be. You see, your identity is that you are created in God's image. Your identity is that you are loved and you are valued. Your identity is that you have been freed from the slavery of sin. Your identity is that you are accepted and forgiven. Your identity is that you are worthy of God's love and his mercy. And your identity is saved. When you join the family of God, your identity becomes all of those things. And that's where Paul starts this off. Then he continues on in verse 16 to 17, and it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And so here he talks about our inner being. This inner being is the deepest aspects of us as a person, our soul, our spiritual self, which is completely known by God. It's funny, when Leah was sharing about one of the, um, the youth on the weekend away, and this youth asked the question of why God knows everything about us. And I thought it was kind of creepy that God knows everything about us. And Leah explained it this way. It's like when you make an art project. When you make an art project, oh, there was one. Uh, if you make an art project or you make something, because you are the creator, you know all about it. You made it, therefore you know all about it. And it's the same with God. Because he created us and he has put his image in us, he knows all about us. He knows that inner being. And sometimes this is really different from our outer being, the way that we display ourselves for others, which might be different in different aspects of our lives, right? The way we are at home versus the way we are out of our house. But Paul here is asking for a deep spiritual strength in our inner life. He prioritizes the inner life over the outer life. You see, Paul wrote this, this, this book. He wrote Ephesians from prison. His outer life was falling apart. But he could rely on his inner life, the inner being, his, his relationship with the Lord. He relied on the, the aspects of God where his new mercies were anew every single morning. He might have been sitting in prison, but he knew that his identity and that his inner being came from the Lord. So what does a strong inner life look like? It looks like communion with God. And it looks like knowing him and spending time with him. It says so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. There's a fellowship with God that we can, we can join when we, when we accept Christ. So what are we doing about our inner life? Are we controlled by the outer things in life, our circumstances, or are we controlled by our inner life, our relationship with the Lord? In 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, the Lord, our man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He prioritizes the inner life. So what does your inner life look like? He continues on to say, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
So Paul asked for us to be strengthened in power. He asked for Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. He asked for us to be rooted and grounded in love. And he asked that we would be filled with the fullness of God. And the interesting thing is that he's writing this actually to a church, a group of Christians. Now, when we give our lives to Christ, we receive all of these things. So why would he pray this for a group of Christians? But it's very different. It's one thing to be given these gifts, and it's another thing to know them. It's another thing to actually have a personal relationship and be able to use them to their fullest potential. Recently, I got a new phone. And so I uh, upgraded my, my iPhone, and I was actually given uh, an upgrade. And it's, it's quite a bit bigger now because it was one of those, like, max iPhones instead of the normal-sized ones. So, but when I first got it, I was like, oh, it's an iPhone. I know how to work this, right? And, you know, I, the cool thing about iPhones nowadays, or, like, just phones in general, is that you put your phone next to the other one, right? So you, get, you put your, take your old phone, you put your new phone next to it, you press like the accept button, yes, I want to transfer it, and it transfers everything over. All of your data, everything, it just gets transferred over. So my phone, my new phone, looked exactly like my old phone, like had the same like lock screen picture, looked exactly like it. And yet I went to turn it on, and the buttons were slightly different, and I couldn't figure out how to turn it on. <laughs> my husband had to help me turn on my iPhone. I, I felt like the worst millennial in the world. <laughs> then, then I was going, like, turning, you know, my phone was like, you know, to the point where if you upgrade it, then your phone's going to start working a bit slower. You know, your battery's going to die a lot quicker. So I had, I had forsaken the up, upgrades. Every time it would be like, you want, do you want to upgrade? No. Do you want to upgrade? No. You know? So I got to the point where I got this new phone, and I was probably like two or three upgrades behind. So they had done all of these lovely, fancy things, but I didn't know how to use any of them. And it's, very, it's really the same in our, in our life with Christ. You see, when we accept Christ, we are given all of these gifts. It says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. We sang about it this morning. But to use these things to its fullest potential, we have to actually get to know them. We have to take time getting to know these gifts that we've been given. Because it's one thing to know that we have it, but it's another thing completely to be able to use it. Thank you. <laughs> so when Paul says these things, he, he's asked for our inner being to be strengthened. And if our inner being is not being strengthened, we cannot grasp you see, he doesn't just say that you would know God's love. He doesn't just say that you would see God's love. He says that you would be able to grasp God's love, to be able to hold on to it. And to be able to hold on to it, to be able to grasp, our inner being has to first be strengthened. It's one thing to know about God. I grew up in church. My dad's a pastor. I grew up in church. You know, I went to all the Sunday school lessons and learned all of the different, you know, like two by two. They walked through the ark, right? You got to sing all the different songs. In fact, I even went to a Christian school, okay? So we used to play these games in school where you would lift up your Bible, hold up your Bible, and then you'd have to be the first one to be able to find the scripture and you'd start talking it out, you know? There's nothing more competitive than how I am. When I'm playing that game, <laughs> but you you start you start to open your you know you start to open your Bible and you know you can memorize Bible verses. We used to have we used to actually have tests on how well you knew these Bible verses, right? But there is one thing to know these Bible verses and know them by heart and be able to just rattle them off, and it's a very different thing to be able to actually have a personal relationship with God and be able to use those Bible verses for your life. 
The next thing that Christ asks for us is to be rooted in love. Now, this morning, I decided to bring in some props. And this morning, I went to go try to find a seed. And we had oranges and seeds, in our, our oranges and lemons in our, in, our, in our house. And so I opened an orange. I started eating the orange, hoping, you know, all the other oranges in the packet had seeds in them. I got this one orange. I start eating it. Like, frantically, because we're obviously running late, of course, you know, on those days. So, you know, I'm frantically eating this, didn't find a single single seed. So then I open the lemon, and I'm like, oh, surely it'll have a seed. All the other ones in the pack did. I go through the lemons, no seed to be found. My husband walks down the stairs, opens the first lemon, and what does you see? A seed. So here we have a seed, <laughs> which is great, you know. Um, but I brought in a bit of a few seeds to be able to show you. And now they're all sticking to the paper towel, so they'll be, have some paper towel with them as well. <laughs> Here we are. Here's a little seed. Now, this little seed in my hand does nothing. It's quite small, not very attractive, especially covered in paper towel. <laughs> but this little seed does nothing here in my hand. And yet, when it grows, when it is actually buried, when it takes time to be buried in the ground, to be hidden in the darkness, it starts, the outer shell starts to break off. The heat and the pressure from the ground start to break off this outer shell, and rootlets start coming out. And eventually, after being watered and, being, and being, having sunlight and all these different things, you get fruit. You get, here, fruit. I ran out of lemons, so... Doesn't quite work. <laughs> but you get the point. <laughs> you get the point. And it's the same way in our, in our life with Christ. You have to take time to get to know Christ. You have to take time to build that relationship with Him, to be able to grow roots so that you too can bear fruit. It doesn't happen overnight. And many times it happens when we are hidden in the darkest places that we actually get to grow in our relationship with Christ. But one day, the fruit comes. After a while of being watered, that useless little seed in my hand becomes an entire tree. The next thing that he says is that he asks them to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. You see, God's love is wide. It covers the breadth of all of your experiences and your sins. It covers the entire world. God's love is long. It covers the length of your entire life. It is not just for the past when you felt it so deeply. It's for now and it's for your future. God's love is high. It reaches to the heights of your celebrations and the greatest moments of your life. But it's also deep. And it reaches to the depths of your discouragement, your despair, your loneliness, your sickness, those times when you're hidden in the darkness. You can never be lost to God's love. But as I said in the beginning, this sermon is called Communities Rooted in Love, not People Rooted in Love. So how do we take this, grasp this wonderful love of God together? You see, it's interesting because Paul, the words that he uses is he says, how you can grasp together with all the Lord's holy people how wide and long and high and deep is God's love. You see, God created us to be in community. 
When God created Adam, he didn't create Adam just by himself. He created Eve to be his helper. You are not called for isolation. You are called to grasp God's love together. So how can we help one another in our walks with the Lord? In those moments when we need to know that God's love is wide and covers all of our sins, how can we show love to those? When there are people who are in the depths of despair and discouragement, how can we show the, the deepness of God's love to one another? I moved to the UK about a year and a half ago. And when I moved here, I knew four people. Okay, four. I knew James, my husband. Well, now husband and then fiance. I had met his parents twice because we lived in Spain and, you know, it wasn't very easy to see them. I had met his sister twice. So I knew four people, okay, when I moved to the UK. And yet when I was moving house recently, um, this, this past week, we moved house. And as we moved house, we had some friends that came around and they were helping us move. And as I was walking through my house, I walked in the kitchen and I saw two people helping us put away dishes. And they were putting away all of our things in the kitchen. And then I walk into our living room, and I see someone who's putting away all the, the books onto the beautiful shelves in our new living room. And then I walk into our bedroom, and I see James and one of his friends, and they're putting together our bed. And then I walk up to the attic, and there's three girls helping me put away my clothes. <laughs> and as I, as I sit there walking around our house, I realized that God had answered all of my prayers for community. That I moved here knowing four people, three of whom don't live in Sheffield. <laughs> and yet God has answered every single prayer that I had for community. Has it always been perfect? No. Has it, has it been difficult and hard at some at points? Yes. But community is so worth it, and it is what God has called us to. He has called us to walk together. For people who will walk into our new house with us and celebrate in the height of celebration, but who also will be there in the moments of despair when you feel lonely and I'm, I'm begging for me able to go home to my family. Those people are the ones who have stood by me. You see, this grasping of love together with the strengthening of Christ ends with our desire to glorify him. The last two verses say, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is working within us, to him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. See, it's amazing that we get to come every single week and glorify God together. But we were meant to do it in community. But if you're part of the band, if you guys want to make your way forward. And I just want to go back really quick to the love of God. And I want us to be community for one another today. So if, there are, if you are someone who is needing to experience the love of God today, I pray that you would come forward. And you would allow us to be able to wrap our arms around with you and be able to pray for you. Maybe you need to know the width of God's love. Maybe you're in a dry season and haven't felt that love really closely. You felt it in the past, but you haven't felt it now. Please come forward. We would love to pray with you. If you need to know the length of God's love, that you are struggling maybe in, in, with your experiences, you don't know you're struggling with something, and you need to know the width of God's love, please come forward. 
if you need to know the height of God's love, maybe you are in a moment of celebration, or maybe you're in a moment where you are in a depth of despair, when you're struggling, when you're feeling lonely, when you're walking through mental health challenges or physical health challenges, we would love to pray for you.